Today we're going to continue in our series called Bless. Today will be the serve with love, the first S. We just saw a video of how for many years people have been radically being generous so that we can serve both here, near, and far. One of the ways I want us to think about loving our community is just taking a moment of silence. What's been happening right now in the news with our brothers and sisters who live in Kenosha and the surrounding communities. There's a vast uh, myriad of emotions as we watch, uh, maybe experiencing trauma and grief, uh, experiencing stress if you're in the law enforcement field, if you're somehow connected uh, with people in Kenosha, if you marched this past week in protest. So we're just going to take a moment of silence, remembering all those who are involved and the families that are connected, and then I'll pray for us. Lord, as we grieve over what we are watching happening unfold, not just in Kenosha, in our country, in our world, Lord, the unrest, the division, the anger, the hatred, the trauma, death and division, Lord, is not what your kingdom is established upon. God, we long for the day, Jesus, when you will come back and restore all things, and in the meantime, Jesus, would you be making things right in our hearts, making things right in our city? Would we today, as we listen to this message about being servants, God, that you would give us love and compassion, and Lord, help us as we grieve, as we struggle, as we are confused, as we get angry. Jesus, we trust you for that. Amen. When I was in college, I had a group of Christian friends who reached out to me. Now, I myself was kind of on the spectrum of faith, and they recognized that I needed Jesus. They prayed for me. They listened to me. We spent a lot of time together. We ate together in the cafeteria. We even went on a fall retreat together. They served me in a lot of different ways, and they shared with me the story of how they got to know Jesus. Maybe you have friends like this, friends who are reaching out to you. Maybe you are one of those friends and you've recognized some of your friends that have these same needs. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus and you're confused in how to respond in these times and these days with love. And we're hoping that regardless of where you're at on the spectrum, this series on BLESS will give you some creative ideas about how to be laser-focused on Jesus. A few years ago, I was introduced to this acronym, BLESS, and it's become a framework, really, to how I think and train others to share their faith. Beginning with prayer, listening, eating, serving, and sharing our story. Now, we use the term blessed because it really starts in Genesis 12, where God chose Abram. He chose him, and he blessed him. But it wasn't just so Abram and Abraham's family, he gets a new name later on in the story, for Abraham just to get comfortable and sit at home and enjoy a great life. God says, no, I've blessed you with a purpose. I've blessed you so that you will be a blessing to all these nations that yet do not exist. And as believers in the same God, a God who would eventually become flesh and come to this world, we have been blessed. And this blessing is not just for us. It is so that we can share and look around at those who might not feel so lucky to be alive right now. And I want to clarify that all of us who know Jesus, we have been blessed. Ephesians says, 
Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So if we know Jesus, we have been blessed. One of the ways that Jesus blesses us is he serves us, and he was a servant. He did many things that many of us would never do. He touched lepers. Last week, we studied how he went to the home of a very privileged, wealthy tax collector. He allowed prostitutes to touch him and to spend time with him. And as we will see today, Jesus was unafraid to dive in with both hands. So we're going to look at Mark 7 as an example of how Jesus was a servant and how we can learn from him, how we can serve with love. So Mark 7, starting in verse 31. It says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, through the Sea of Galilee, to the region, to the region of the Decapolis. Now, previous to this story, Jesus has been spending time with non-Jews in the, the region of the Decapolis, in a Gentile region. These are fringy folks compared to what Jesus is maybe used to. And Jesus is talking about the condition of people's hearts, not necessarily religious rules, regulations. And here we see Jesus in this vicinity, not entering a culture that is probably within his comfort level. The Decapolis, if you look on a map, is actually on the far east side of, of Galilee and Israel. It was on the edge of the Roman Empire of that day. And it's called the Decapolis because it's a city. It's a gathering of 10 cities. Generally, they had a pagan worldview. And now Jesus is spending time there. Uh, not just spending time there, not just going through there, but he engages and spends time with this one particular person who definitely was, was considered unclean by those who attempted to define the religious standards of the day. Now it says in verse 32, there are some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. So this man literally could not speak up for himself, and yet he had a community who did, a community who had heard likely something about Jesus and knew that that's what this guy needed. Now imagine, 2,000 years ago, you can hardly speak and you're deaf. I imagine there's no Braille back then. There are no special services I imagine a very isolated, perhaps lonely, fringy, definitely on the outward um, fringe of community, not able to share his hopes and his dreams. And yet we see he was not completely alone. He had friends that loved him enough, wanted to serve him to bring him to Jesus. So it says in verse 30, 32, after Jesus took him, the deaf man, aside, away from the crowd, it says, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Jesus looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, he said to him, I think it's a faftha, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. Now, the first thing to note here is that Jesus, it says he sighed deeply. The word here indicates a groan with pain or an empathetic noise. Like when you hear horrible stories, a young mother who's in the ICU right now fighting for her life, the riots, the unrest in Kenosha, the stories about the hurricane and how people living in the inner city or who are living on the border, already at the edge of all things, are now experiencing yet another tragedy. It's how we respond emotionally, have empathy for those who are going through things that are just difficult. Now, when he says be opened, if half the, this is an Aramaic word. It's Jesus' heart language. 
Most of the New Testament is translated into Greek, but a few times, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> a few times we get words in Aramaic. <clears throat> Jesus' home language. It was the language of the people. It's something that happens normally in very intimate moments where we kind of get a sneak peek into what Jesus was, kind of Jesus in the raw. It happens when Jesus is on the, cro- on the cross, when he's crying out to God, asking, why have you forsaken me? It happens before he's on the cross in the garden, when he's suffering and praying and asking for God to intervene. And it also happens when Jesus asks a little girl to come up out of her bed after she's been lying there dead. Now, it might be a way, literally, for us just to understand who Jesus is more. It also might be that we're seeing how Jesus connects with people where they're at, using the language of the day. Either way, it's just worth noting. It also says here that Jesus looked up into heaven before he said, this be opened. Now, I read a commentary that pointed to this. Jesus doesn't look at the man's ears and say, be opened. He doesn't look at his throat and say it, although both of the ears and the throat, he was healed, right? Those things were opened. It says instead that he looked to the heavens. Now, what does this mean? Is he asking for God to literally open up the heavens and send rain? Is he asking for God to put on a show so that everyone who is present can see what heaven really looks like? I'm not really sure. But again, he looks up to the heavens. A commentary that I read said that the Greek word, meaning be opened, that's used here, is used eight times in the New Testament. Most of the times that it's used again, other than in this story, it's after Jesus was raised from the dead. Where it's used three other times is in the book, uh, in the story when the disciples are walking on a road to Emmaus. And they're with a person, they're talking about Jesus' death and what has all happened. And the man walking with them is Jesus. And yet somehow they can't see it. Their eyes are closed to it. They don't understand. And yet they have a moment where their eyes and their hearts are opened and they fully embrace and understand that that was Jesus who was with them. So the commentator indicates that perhaps when Jesus is performing this miracle, he's not just healing the man's ears and helping him to speak. He is opening up the way for us to fully understand who he is. It is also clear that Jesus is touching this man. He puts his fingers in his ears. He spits and he touches the tongue. I was telling the preaching team the other day that this is sort of like a holy wet willy that's happening. I'm not really sure why Jesus does these things, but he literally gets in with both hands. It also says that Jesus took the man aside as he did this. Jesus isn't doing this for show. He's not calling the local news network. He's not hosting a rally. He's having this intimate healing moment with this man. Jesus is unafraid to be intimate with this man with both hands in this healing process. Now in verse 36, it continues, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now again, Jesus sets them aside, right? Kind of has this secret thing happen, and then he says, don't tell anyone. This is something that repeats in the gospel. This idea that there's this secret and that Jesus heals someone and he says, Shh, don't tell anybody, but then everybody does. Now, there are a lot of differing ideas about why this happens, but again, suffice to say, Jesus is a servant that does it with love, not for display, not for honor, not for glory. He's not posting it on Facebook, right, when he does something good. 
Jesus, however, serves this man. He serves him with love. So what can we learn from Jesus as we look in this passage? We've been talking in this series on bless, a question that keeps coming back to my mind. And as I'm reading and thinking about these things, where am I spending my time? With whom am I spending my time? As I think about where and who, I think about are those people and the things that I'm doing, are they like my normal, comfortable things? And do the people look like me? Do they act like me? Do they run like I do? Do they vote like I do? Do they talk like I do? Do they shop where I do? Jesus goes to the Decapolis. He spends time with these people who are from a different culture. And he was, he was willing to literally get his hands dirty, to get right into it and be intimate. Where am I spending my time? With whom am I spending my time? And as I spend time with people, perhaps it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to have some conversations I didn't see coming. People might believe or say things that I don't agree with. They might take more time than I feel like I might have to give. They might ask me things that I'm not really willing to answer. Now, there are these other people in my life that maybe don't look like I do, don't think like I do, and yet then there's this uh, desire to know each other better because you're so different. You're almost intrigued because of all those differences. We live in a culture right now where people who are different uh, seem to be polarized, and we seem to have a lot of reasons to not hang out with people who believe differently than we do. But I feel like Jesus gives us an option where we can hang out with people who are different than we are, and be, and be willing to be uncomfortable. Now, really practically, we're hoping that CrossFit would respond to this message as we do regularly, as we think about serving our community. If you look on our website, there are many opportunities to get involved in our community, but a few that I want to highlight today. We continue to work with the Connections Emergency uh, Shelter. So there's a new system this year, and there'll be more information coming on that. But we will have various weeks throughout the fall that you can serve. We can adopt a room, we can make food, we can hang out with the shelter guests. And so I literally was just texting with someone who's making the schedule for the fall. So look for more information for that to come. Perhaps you have a burden for people that need food. Hunger is one of those things that really uh, awakens your convictions and your passion. Twice a month, you can spend time packing boxes uh, for Food for All. It happens on the second and the fourth Saturday of the month. Now, if you've noticed, there are a few more people in Mankato than were a couple weeks ago. And uh, as we're driving around town, every once in a while we get behind someone that doesn't seem to know where they're going. And nine times out of ten, as we come up next to them, we look and it's a car full of college students. And so instead of getting frustrated in our car, we're trying to say, oh, maybe these are some new students that just don't know where they're going yet. So as students uh, come to town, as I spent some time this week praying with one of the campus ministers, uh, I, I love students. Brian and I used to work with students. And there are many students coming, not just from all over Minnesota and all over the country, but from all over the world. And you know what? Some of them would love to get to know you. 
We know someone who's uh, working on family connections so that you can literally adopt an international student. But I would also say having students around is just an opportunity for us to serve them. If you notice some college students at Target or in the grocery line, uh, reach out to them. See, see who they are. Very specifically, there will be ways that we can adopt international students. There'll be more info to come. But again, uh, just, just thinking creatively about our context. We have so many opportunities to serve. And as Jesus, it kind of seems like he was just walking along one day and this guy fell in his lap. Maybe that's what will happen with you. Maybe you'll be going about your business and you'll find a unique opportunity to serve your neighbors. So as I thought about this and an example from our past, so as I said, Brian and I used to work with college students. And in the fall at Bemidji State, campus organizations would come together and we would actually get to help students move in. And so that first weekend, move-in weekend, we'd be all over campus as, in as many dorms as we could. We'd spread our leaders out, and other campus organizations would come alongside. And we would literally go into the parking lots, find a student, see how much stuff they had, and help them get into their room. Now, invariably, of course, um, I would pick the student who lived on the fifth floor and the, in the elevator will have been broken down. Uh, but you get to know the student. You get to figure out who they are. Sometimes you get to partner. We'd wear our InterVarsity t-shirts and obviously tell them about campus ministry. But it was just a way for us to serve them. It was also really fun doing this alongside of other campus organizations. Uh, sometimes InterVarsity would have a lemonade stand, and so we'd stop and we'd take a lemonade break. Anyway, it was just a really great opportunity for us to serve, and it was something we did every year. Well, one year, as we were taking a water break, we noticed that the huge dumpsters outside of the dorms were starting to overflow, and the garbage was starting to blow around campus. And so a couple of our student leaders took it upon themselves to literally dumpster dive, throw all the boxes out, and then they broke them down, separated the garbage out, and basically cleaned up the trash. We did that one year, and we kept doing it year after year. And I have to tell you, the res hall, uh, staff loved us. <laughs> the cleaning crew on campus loved us. It was just a way for us to serve our college students and the staff on campus, a way to serve them really with love. I suppose it's a way that we loved the planet too. So as you think about Jesus, as you think about him literally putting his fingers in these, this man's ear as he spit and touched his tongue, how is it that Jesus might use our hands, might use us, to serve and, and literally with both hands, be able to serve our community with love. As we think about how God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ, who are those around us? People who need Jesus. Maybe they don't even realize they need Jesus. People who need Jesus. And what are some ways that we can serve them? May God continue to bless us so that we can be a blessing in the city of Mankato and the region and the people around us. Amen.